0: Yeah, I wasn't sure how serious this was going to get, so I lit my emotional support candle just in case.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Gay Ergos podcast. My name is Lizzie Houston, and I'm freeballing through life uh, in 2023. Uh, welcome back to the show.
2: And I'm Kiro Sullivan, and I'm on the market for a new spine. So if anyone has an ex- extra one just kind of like lying around, if you could ship it my way, that would be awesome because mine is not doing it for me anymore
1: we should start like a craigslist for rower backs. like if anybody like got an ailment like
2: buy sell trade, buy, sell, trade. injury edition <laughs> well listeners we do have a wonderful co-host with us today you may have heard the disembodied voice that you may not recognize but we are graced with the presence of my partner in crime alex defuso
0: say hello to the people alex hello people do I have to do a little intro? You can do whatever you want. Okay. As the Coco host, I will say, I'm Alex DeFusso, Florida man living in Boston.
1: Well, it's been a little bit, but I feel like less time than normal. Um, so we appreciate you all hanging in there, all of our listeners, <laughs> whoever you are. Yeah, I think um, for me. I'm thinking I've had a lot of awesome and scary life changes happen. I officially retired from rowing, um, which was a spooky, spooky feeling. And it is a very spooky feeling. I'm like freshly retired. So we're going to explore some topics today in regards to self-reflection and life after sport. And I don't know, we're free (laughs) balling. Yeah, Lizzie, you
2: definitely, I feel like, have gone through a couple interesting phases recently of just, like, finding different parts of yourself, and I think it's cool to kind of just talk about those things. It's definitely an experience we all kind of go through, and it feels really isolating, for sure. Transitional periods are scary, and we've talked about that a little bit before, but I think it's definitely worth exploring, and I really wanted to invite Alex on because I felt like the three of us kind of spanned a really interesting point in relationship with sport and identity and things like that lizzie you're freshly retired alex you've been a little out of you kind of got ripped out of sport thanks to the good old pandemic and i refuse to let go of sport even through injuries so between the three of us i think we'll have some interesting approaches and conversations among identity and things like that i mean Not just in sport, but we are a gay rowing podcast, so I felt like, you know, we should probably talk a little bit about rowing. But Alex, do you want to talk a little bit about just your relationship with identity and that type of thing?
0: Oh, Coming out with the hard-hitting questions right off the bat, no warm-ups, just identity in general. Whatever part of it you want to explore, like your identity as... mm, I don't know. (laughs) Who are you? Tell us who you are. Once again... Could not be more existential. The existentialist pod, change the name. Yeah, really. This is actually a gay rowing existential mm. dread pod. Honestly, we can put that in the <laughs> yeah, sub <fair>. description. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll start with, in some senses, the easy stuff. She, her identifiers for gender. Uh, as a person, I identify as a lesbian. Although generally, I'll just tend to say gay. Although I find that you generally just motion to yourself. Uh, you, you Listeners, you can't see me. <laughs> I'm a mask presenting queer woman. So yes, I get misgendered a lot, which is interesting. I wish I could take my misgender and give it to other people who would like to refer to them. Um, well, I feel <laughs> like... So uh, Alex
1: and I both have short hair, and I do feel like people assume people with short hair don't still identify as women some, most of the time. Like, they'll probably assume that we use they, them pronouns or something like that. So I think it's it's always just really interesting to just kind of look at the scope from, like, a big perspective, too. I don't know if you run into that, but I definitely run into that. I'm like, everybody
0: probably don't assume I'm a woman, but I love being a
1: lady. I like being
0: yeah. <laughs> It's really interesting. So I've had the conversation with folks uh, several times that it's actually homophobic or transphobic to only ask me if I use they them pronouns, just based off of the way that I look. Because they're like, well, what's the problem? Like, I'm trying to be inclusive. And I've just had to explain to them that actually, like, that's not how inclusion works to only ask people that you suspect use you know non-cis pronouns what what they are um so it's interesting that you like bring that up because that's definitely been my experience where like I've had people try really hard to be polite and it's it's hard and I appreciate people making the effort but just having to kind of touch base with people and educate them a little bit and saying that don't don't just immediately introduce me as like oh this is Alex and they blah 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 you know Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah we've talked about this before Alex because we have this
2: interesting problem because I'm super femme presenting most of the time and people always assume my pronouns and then ask yours so like literally this exact situation and when you're not with me people will be like Alex they question mark and I just know when I'm not with you people aren't out there being like Kira they like just immediately assuming she because of how we present.
0: Yeah. It's it's even interesting, um, I think especially around, so we're engaged, so like around wedding stuff, people are like, oh, like, you're gonna, like, what are you wearing? You're wearing probably a suit or whatever, and then it's like, oh, what what dresses are is Kira looking at? And I'm like, well, Kira might not wear a dress. Like, Kira can wear whatever. It's just clothing. I don't care.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think like I've struggled a lot with that too and and I don't know it is it is a really I like the way that you've approached that and like how you've thought about yeah it is still transphobic and homophobic to like assume someone just because of the way that they look unfortunately as human beings we always want to categorize and like put people in a box or like so it's easier for us but yeah no I think being surrounded and you know being in the queer community and like being around people who present in many different ways like you can be super femme and still you know be a non-binary person it's it's it is frustrating to kind of live in the scope of what are people looking at me as you know I don't know and maybe this is just my new journey that I'm also kind of taking and just like figuring out like Okay, but like, how can I feel okay with being perceived in a way that's not actually comfortable for me, and just having people assume something about me? How can I be okay with that and like be progressive about it in my own way? I don't know if that makes sense, but
2: I think so. And I do have a question about your journey, Lizzie. But just on this topic of you know identifiers and especially pronouns, you know, I'm super lucky to work with a huge group of athletes that a lot of them use she they and. Me and um like as a staff, a lot of the times we will try to default the they, knowing that in most of their existence, our athletes are going to be identified as she, even if they lean like either is fine, I just know the majority of the time they're going to get the she pronouns. so you know, as a staff all the time, we will try to like default to they for anyone on our team that is one or the other, and I think just like the easiest thing to do is ask or offer your pronouns, which leaves the space for someone to also offer theirs. And you never know, you might be surprised to find out that a colleague that you've known for a long time is suddenly like, no, my pronouns are he, they, or she, they, and you're just like, whoa, I didn't know that about you, and I just never asked. I don't know if anyone has any thoughts on that, but Lizzie, I do also wanna know, like, I I feel like your, like, most firm part of your identity right now is actually like I'm a woman it's great I have short hair I'm a short-haired woman and there's other parts of you that you're kind of exploring do you want to talk a little bit about
1: that yeah I think I'm very comfortable being a woman I do identify as as a woman and I think like I've because of my the way that I present though I do really like the flexibility of getting to dress how I want. Like, if you know me, you know that I love putting an outfit together and like, it could be super femme. It could be super mask. It could be very um, fluid or androgynous. And I I really like that as a woman, I have that flexibility to do that. I think men have that less so to a certain degree, at least still, like you're still surprised when like Harry Styles comes and address or, Robert Pattinson wearing a, a skirt or something like that, like it's still different. But like if you know Janelle Monae when she showed up to somewhere in a suit, like no one batted an eye. You're just like, oh yeah, she's rocking that. And like Blake Lively, pl- please, like give me some more Blake Lively in a suit. So if, like I I appreciate it and I really like the flexibility of getting to put a fun fit together. Like that's been a part of my like hobby figuring out too, while I have more time on my hands and um. I'm actually wearing my new pair of pants that I got I love. They're awesome. They actually...
0: Stand up. Do a twirl. Do a twirl. Do
1: a twirl. Um, they're,
0: they're Dickies. So this, uh,
2: We'll drop the link in the process. show notes.
0: I feel like I should be paying for this
1: content. Sorry. Dickies, sponsor us, please. <laughs> but I, I have really, really, really fucking long legs. And um, these are the first pair of quote, regular um, pants I've bought, and they actually go down to the floor, which is awesome um so
2: no more floods yay
1: but um yeah I I like I just like the flexibility and like yeah I I think I put she they in my uh Instagram bio just because like I don't care I guess as much like if someone was like oh like Lizzie like they're awesome like I don't like I don't care and I think that's just because I like the flexibility of being able to do that. And, um, but I do, I am very comfortable in like being a woman and having a female body. Like I, I don't, I don't feel like I'm not supposed to be where I am. I think in different ways, I feel like I'm not supposed to be where I am, but uh, we could talk about that a little bit later, but I, I love my body, I guess,
0: or I'm trying to love my body. Yay. We're working on it. It's honestly so impressive. <laughs> I mean, I struggle with, like
1: everyone else, but I think overall I'm pretty
0: happy with myself
1: as a person generally.
0: Yeah. My rule of thumb is, because it's interesting how you're saying like, you don't necessarily care either way. And I know like when I'm home, for instance, if I go out to lunch with my mom or something and the waiter says like, and for you, sir, she gets so upset. Um, And what i've tried to like explain to her is that i have a rule of thumb when it comes to like correcting people and generally if it's like a short interaction or like i'm never gonna see you again i don't really care that much um similar to you lizzie like whatever i'm just gonna let it ride um especially when people don't mean anything by it like we're just all trying to live and do our jobs but like if it's going to be like an extended thing then I might just be like oh yeah like actually actually she her I don't know gender is weird honestly the vast majority of the time I just prefer not to think about it for myself I'm honestly
1: on the same <laughs> wavelength as you on that I think I just don't care I just don't want to think about it I don't care I got other shit to. About.
2: I had a kid in my class Um, I taught a class over January and This kid literally, when we went around name pronouns, just went, my name is, you know, blank. No pronouns, just my name. And I was like, all right, great, let's do it. It was awesome. My pronouns are, she shut the fuck up.
1: (laughs) I love those memes, it's just like, I identify as a problem.
2: (laughs) um doesn't kenny i think kenny put her pronouns as like she her like trash bag or something on her instagram bio Uh, oh idiot i think something like that yeah the best line i've heard
1: though is um
2: like hi my name is blank and my pronouns are your problem and i was like oh
1: yeah that's good that's funny (laughs) as shit i think in regards to sexuality too again something i really don't like to think about (laughs) um we're on a
2: gay rowing
1: podcast and you don't like to think about sexuality. I don't like to think about wokeness, period, because it stresses me out. Cause I'll I'll dig down a rabbit hole and like I will I will listen to things, I will read. And sometimes I just don't want to be super informed because it makes mm. me sad. <laughs> I think I will stick with this label for the rest of my life as a non-practicing bisexual. Mm. even though i'll sometimes practice i just won't put it to the devil if you
0: know what i mean (laughs) put the training wheels back on the bike sometimes (laughs) the training wheels come back on the bike
2: but a non-practicing bisexual i think that's applicable to a lot of people
1: yeah um i think i've been saying that for about a year now um Mm. but mostly i think because the last two two years or so i've been exclusively with women um have we we've done we've dove into your identification haven't we
2: have i think we, so yeah uh, a little bit I, yeah i've talked about my my subaru allegory
0: <laughs> does everybody love. in this chat drive a subaru yes we are a 100 subaru podcast <laughs> also Super subaru sponsor us, sponsor us.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that would be the like god tier sponsor um (laughs) of a gay rowing podcast but yeah no I mean I have been very clear pretty much my entire like since exploring romance and like relationships etc like since like mid-high school being like no I'm definitely like not bi didn't feel right um but I definitely wasn't straight and then I got to college and took a uh, like gender and sexuality class as you know many of the queers do at some point um rite of passage for sure and um my professor was like oh I'm pansexual and everybody was like what is that and as soon as he described it I was like oh my god there she is I've been looking for you my whole life so (laughs) I've always you know been very open about being pansexual and I have to like sometimes catch like our team will be like oh my god we have like Like last year, we had like a staff full of lesbians, and I was like, no, actually, you don't. (laughs) And kind of like being like, hey, just because I'm doing the darn life thing with another woman doesn't mean this. So I think, you know, it's another, I mean, a a theme so far, it seems like we've talked about is just don't assume what you see on the outside doesn't always match what's happening on the inside. And it's better to ask, and it's okay to mess it up. Like it's, I'm fine with having to be like, actually, no, like, not a lesbian. Um, <laughs> like I'm not gonna get mad at anyone for messing that up. I'm gonna get mad if you purposely do it, then it's harmful. And that's a different story. But if you just like mess it up a couple times, that's fine. And I think like that's an important part of the learning process as well. So, you know, let fluidity reign. How was your yeah. um can I ask you about your identity in sport, Lizzie? My identity and sport, now that,
1: yeah.
2: Now that we're transitioning away from rowing for you.
1: Yeah. I've been in rowing for I want to say this is my 11th year. I graduated in 2019. I pretty much didn't take a break. I was still doing like I was still in the mindset and the mentality of training and going and going and going, but um finally in uh, earlier this month I I mean I made the decision I think over the summer that after head of the Charles I was done um competitively sweeping and probably sculling. I mean, maybe I'll dabble at some point with some master stuff, but um, I officially retired and I left my job in boat sales. And so the only um, contact I have daily with rowing is coaching. Um, And honestly, that is the only thing that I think I need right now, but it's been a really big loss, even though my relationship with the sport was super strained and I could feel myself not enjoying it anymore. I didn't want to go to the practices a lot and I just kind of dreaded that time of the afternoon like I had I had a full work day you know I had been up early coaching and then I you know did the little boat sail stuff uh, you talked to lots of people and by the time that you know came around to putting my body you know back at max effort like I did when I was 18 at 26 it didn't feel nice. Um, and I've struggled with back injuries. My shoulders really messed up. Um, I got some other ailments coming, coming down the pipe and, um, yeah, it's been a really tough two months, I would say, because I think that's kind of been that transition period of starting a new job, um, leaving rowing, leaving a few other things behind honestly in 2022, um, So it feels really weird going into this year with a lot of loss while simultaneously trying to discover a lot of parts that I think I neglected because of rowing, I think. And this is something that I've talked to with a lot of former rowers too, who have really fully stepped away. um, And Rowing takes up a lot of time and it takes up a lot of energy. And I think my perceptions of life in general and like what my futures are supposed, you know, what my future is supposed to look like, what my day to day is supposed to look like. I think it was so consumed by being in rowing constantly that like, I forgot that there was a whole world out there and that I'm a whole other person outside of rowing. Like, I don't have to just be an athlete. Like I can be artsy and it shouldn't be embarrassing. Like I should be, put I should have put the same amount of effort into my writing and my poetry and like I used to write some music and like I should have been putting some of that same effort that I did into the sport into like the other passions in my life and I just felt that it got to a point where I was no longer enjoying life as a whole because I lost so much of myself by getting so consumed by you know just one or two things
0: that were in my vicinity for so long.
2: Alex, do you feel like that with your relationship
0: with sport? No. (laughs) I mean, and that's like, while you were talking, Lizzie, I was just reflecting on the idea that rowing more than a lot of other sports, you can literally be doing the exact same thing as like, I don't know, 40 people around you and just have such a fundamentally different experience and relationship um, and everything with it. This is going to be like a very strange circular response to that question, Kira. But I was a psych major in college and I was really, really interested in sports psychology and culture. And I remember I was doing a deep dive into some research at one point and I found some sort of article, whatever paper i can't remember it was obviously years ago at this point and the paper was about like how long it takes athletes on average to kind of make peace with their retirement and how that really really depends on the situation when in like how they were able to retire or step away from their sport and basically the gist of that article is that on average it takes 3 times longer to get over that or like make peace with it when it's not your choice. You know, so like catastrophic injury, obviously like COVID is a is a prime example of that, um, as well. And so like in a different way, you know, I was class of 2020. So I still feel like very strongly at times that I'm in that like mourning phase. And like Lizzie, I think it was it sounds like it's been huge for you to have the opportunity to really take it into your own hands and make the decision of like, you know what, I'm good. I'm I'm ready to like step back and find these other things in these other interests and like kind of reinvigorate a lot of your passions. And I love that. I'm not there yet. You know, it's at this point still only been um, a couple of years and I don't know if that's just always going to be a sore spot for me. So I guess like context, like I said, this is going to be a weird, circular, non-linear type answer to just back it up. I've always had a weird relationship with the sport of rowing. Um, I started in the summer before eighth grade. So it it been a minute. It's been a minute. I'm, I'm past the decade mark and I like instantaneously like fell head over heels with it. But I've never been somebody who likes to define myself by one thing. So when I um, was in high school and was doing rowing full time, I was also in band, like regular band, in marching band, on yearbook, in honor society. Like I was just like that kid that like just got around and did a lot of other things. Um, And so when I went to college and then was like, back to just being a rower or really for the first time in my life, just being like a student athlete. I remember that was a really weird identity time for me because I'd never just been a rower. Like I'd always been like, yes, I row and I do all these other things. And so like after about a semester in college, like my grades tanked and like a lot of other things like tanked my relationships with people were weird just because like I didn't have any other thing that I was doing. Like I I just got really kind of depressed. And I don't say that as like a term you toss out there. I mean, like I genuinely felt like very lost and very depressed that I was like, wow, this is really all I do. All I do is wake up at 6am three times a week to go lift and then row or erg or like spin or whatever the rest of the time that I'm not in class. And in college, my life got better when I found other external things to fill in those spaces, even if it was against the advisement of my coaches or advisors or like other people. That's not to say that I didn't still really in this time as a college athlete, like lean on that identity a lot and experience it a lot and probably had the strongest affinity with the idea of being a rower that I had ever had in my whole life. And just prior to the pandemic really kicking off and everything getting shut down, I was actually interviewing for grad school. Um, so I had a standing interview in like Western mass. Cause I know we try and keep it vague when we're talking about schools. Um, so I had had an interview um, in Western mass and I just remember like all this COVID stuff was kind of on TV and my coach texted me or i i honestly it's like a blank spot in my memory like i don't know if my coach texted me or if i got an email or a phone call i think it was a phone call and it was just like it's like it's over we're done like they're they're finishing the season um for us school shut down um and i so distinctly remember being like okay and just kind of like mellowing out, and then and I went back into the room, and and we were doing this like group introduction because that's all you do in an interview is introduce yourself over and over again for grad school. And someone was like, "Oh, like, you know, like, who are you? What do you? Where do you go?" Blah blah blah. And I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm Alex." And then I said, "I am a student athlete at," and then I paused and I said, "I guess I was a student athlete." Or like I was a rower. And like, I literally broke down into tears, like the second I said that sentence. And I still like get like very emotional and very, like choked up about it. I didn't realize how deeply the identity had sunken in to my experience and like my brain and who I was that like that was the top of my list of how I identified. And then I was just like, I just felt so lost. and I was absolutely devastated to miss my last collegiate practice that I would ever have the opportunity to do and not be with my senior class and all those things. And it's just such an interesting identity because I thought I had done what I could to like make peace with it in the year or two, kind of following it. And then I work in athletics and college athletics. And when I was getting my master's degree, I worked my first collegiate event with like the, the field hockey team and the couple games into the season, it was their senior day. And like, I started crying at their senior day. I was literally bawling. Like I couldn't keep it together. Cause I was like, I never got my senior day. Like I never got this, like the, the loss of identity that they must be feeling. Like it was just like a very strange experience. And it's still something that like, to this day, I get choked up when I, when I work a senior day or do any of that stuff. Like, it's still like a, a little bit of like a hole in my heart. You know, I still identify as a rower. I think in some ways, like I never, I, I don't say like, oh, I was a rower. I'll say like, I was a rower in college, but like, if external people in the community are asking me like non rowers are asking me like, I'll say like, oh, I'm a rower. Because that's still who I am. And it's still in many senses how I identify. I don't see myself as having left the community. And I think in a weird way that to tie this all very long tangent back together, I think that that kind of, in a weird sense, ties back into COVID cutting off my college experience is that I'm like, well, I I didn't retire. Like the decision was made for me. So like in a way that both, it's a double-edged sword like i am still a rower so yes there is my very very long entire life identity tangent do with that what you will editing gods snaps for you i mean that's like
1: that's a lot and i like i really appreciate you bringing that up because i think when because care uh, you we had graduated by yeah so we just missed it by a year and like I didn't realize the impact it was having at the time when things were shutting down like I think probably some kind of avoidance I I mean like my girlfriend at the time was losing her senior season and like as much as I wanted to like support and like try to understand like that's not something I could ever understand because like I got my collegiate experience and I got to finish my last race um and yeah, I, I cannot imagine how, for lack of a better term, like traumatic that experience is, is like you have all of these expectations of what this is going to look like. And then all of a sudden it's just ripped out from under you. And so one, I'm I'm sorry that you have to deal with that because I, I truly think that that's something that your class and the class below are going to have to kind of live with and make peace with. But that doesn't, that doesn't like take that's like, that's hard. That's a lot of courage, um, to, to do and to accept. Um, I've been reading a book called the mindful path to self-compassion and, um, I'm about 60 pages into it, but so far to me, it just kind of seems like the premise isn't allowing yourself to like be, not necessarily be consumed like I'm very I'm a very emotional person and I will allow my emotions sometimes to consume me but the whole point of this book and like this ex- explorative practice of mindfulness and like self-compassion and acceptance it's like as a friend like I will give myself 110% until I am so drained which is so bad for me so bad for anybody who does that and but the idea is that you need to lend yourself the same amount of compassion, empathy, and love and respect that you do for others. Um, and you're allowed to sit and like feel your emotions and like make peace with them. But that doesn't mean they're not not going to exist. Like I still got to show up to practice. I still have to show up to my nine to five and I still have to show up and do the pod and I still have to show up and hang out with my friends. But that doesn't mean there's like not this underlying like base of, yeah, I'm dealing with all of these horrible and some good changes in my life right now. But like, how can I lend myself that same compassion that like, Alex, if I, you know, if this were 2020, like, how would, could I lend that same type of compassion that I would give to you as like a friend to support you going through that? And like, could, you know, could Kira do that? And you know, things like that. I don't know if that makes sense, but I I really do, I really love this book. Um, and it's, uh, there's a couple of like poems in there that are great, maybe I'll read one later, but um, I love poetry. Poetry, I one of my goals this year is to finish writing my poetry book that I've been working on since college. And it's literally just a collection of poems of women who have broken my heart. So <laughs> uh, all is fair in love and neurodivergence as it will be called.
2: Well, so I have a question for both of you. Two very different experiences in kind of not a full exit from sport, but in a shift in your identity. For both of you, do you think it was either helpful or hurtful to still have a close tie to the rowing community? So, like Lizzie, right now you're still coaching, which means you're still very much so thinking about rowing and like part, it's part of your day, it's not all consuming. And then Alex, you know, as long as we are (laughs) together. Because I am, you know, very much so kind of a different experience than both of you in that, like, I want to talk about rowing all the time. Like, I want it to be every moment of my day. And, like, I'm in the job for that, which is great. And I don't think I will ever stop calling myself a rower and whatnot. Sorry, darling dearest. <laughs> um, but I, you know, like, you now have a tie to rowing world in that kind of way like do you guys find it helpful or hurtful in that identity shift that you have those connections
0: you i, I can go for I'm it. Gonna to ponder for a sec yeah to touch on like what i just kind of said like this idea of it being like a double-edged sword for things to have like ended that way there is even now even when it's only been a couple years like i can already see how that is like irrevocably in some sense changed the course of my life in that, I didn't get to, you know, go peacefully into the long night or whatever that saying is, um, and experience a very peaceful, timely transition. So, in a weird way, like I will never have peace from rowing, which sounds like really dramatic, but, but in in that sense, like with it being this sort of like never healing wound it makes me like, I can't stay away from rowing for me personally. I can't help but think if I had had like a peaceful transition out of rowing that like, I wouldn't have been like, F it. Like I'm, I'm all in. I'm going to try and race the the head of the Charles boat this year um, for as, as an alumni, or even though I work in administration, there's, always a part of my brain that's like looking for opportunities to stay involved in rowing um, and find ways to give back to the sport and I'm definitely a little off topic right now for the question but we're cruising you know like I was actually just in one of our uh, senior athletic director's offices literally yesterday being like hey I heard that you're like the sports supervisor for the women's rowing team and that means that you um are always looking for volunteers for like the championship i'm trying not to be specific on like which championship but you know like you you will do the conference championship regatta and that you always need volunteers for that like what does that look like how can i get on that committee how can i how can i help and stay involved in that way or learn a little bit more about regatta planning and i think it's just kind of spilled over into me looking into these other facets of how can i get or stay involved around the sport of rowing because the only thing that helped me work through some of that trauma was having the opportunity to coach and as painful as it can be and was um specifically the first opportunity that i had to coach post co- had to coach post covid like as painful as that was it was also in a weird way like kind of healing and helped me be like okay well i'm taking this next step into what this identity means to me if that makes sense and as an administrator and one who like is very entry entry level right now but has goals of um moving up in in the world as i get older in a weird sense i think experiencing that type of exit from sport um has actually made me like a lot more compassionate in my approach to to athletes and athletics and made me it it definitely made me value the experiences of being a student athlete um in general more and specifically as somebody that works in events like the idea that you really never know when an event could be an athlete's last, right? Like you never know when your last game day is coming. So to be a facilitator of that and make sure that like the experience can be, you know, as good as it can be, like that's like, I don't know, it's all incorporated into this like weird menagerie of how I approach things. So you would say that it's been helpful to be around it through your transition periods. For the people that can't see me nodding, yes. Yeah, Yeah. it's, it's a double-edged sword. That's really the, the best way that I can continue to describe it, honestly.
1: I would, I would probably say very similarly.
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: I'm a big believer, too, in that, you need to take a step away from the environment that hurt you but i also think it just depends on i think it's situation dependent and like rowing has never like personally done anything to me that's not what i mean like i i definitely need to take responsibility for having bitten off way more that i could chew but also like at the time for a long time it suited who i was and what i needed in those moments uh through my transition and like I had aspirations when I was in college. Like I am on the smaller side. I really thought about training for lightweight after I I was never super fast, but like, like I wanted to train and, and then I had to kind of give that dream up. And then it was like, okay, well, like, what else can I do? Like, what are, what are these next steps? I feel like being around it has allowed me to like desensitize to it. Like, I don't know, Pavlov, what is it? Pavlov's dog, like you condition it enough. I don't know but I, I also have found myself trying to find ways to stay involved. And like, I think I would rather be behind the scenes. And like, I, I like that I can be, I like that I can coach. Like that is all that I can handle right now. And I don't tend to take that work home with me now. um Like previously w- with, you know, with boat sales, it's like that is an on switch that's on all the time that is seven days a week, 24 seven. That is the only thing I was thinking about. I was only thinking about rowing and like, that got to a point where it was super overwhelming. So being able to just kind of step back and still have my toe here. So it's not like fully bye-bye. Yeah. We love a good, no contact rule. Um, And it was great because when the season ended, I had started a new job that was not (laughs) rowing involved, but it allows me to continue to coach. Um, and then, you know, around the same time I retired. So I actually, like, I had a good five or six weeks where there was no practices. I really didn't have to think about rowing. I could just step away and like, put all of my energy into learning my new job, which is awesome. Like I'm having a great time. It's a fabulous place. Like, um, and they're, and again, like they're letting me coach and like, they're very flexible with that because they know that that's a passion of mine. And like, the reason I love coaching honestly is not because, I love rowing. I do. I do love rowing. I think it's given me a lot. The community as a whole generally has provided so much love and support for me through the years that I've been here. Um but I love being able to have an impact on kids' lives. Like we all remember our coaches from college and like even like if we could just get one kid to show up because they're having a really garbage time in school or like they're just really struggling with some aspect of their life, but like they're showing up and I can just be like, Hey, I'm really happy that you're here. Like good. Be here. Give a hundred percent of what you have today. Like that's what I love about. I think sport in general provides that environment and that's, and like rowing is the sport that I'm familiar with. So that is what I'm passionate about. Um, and obviously I'm passionate about this project, like the podcast as bad as I can be at scheduling and like thinking about it and planning and like wanting to carve out time to do it when I'm very busy like it's still a really important space because I think it allows like we've seen it people will message us and it's like hey this is a space that makes me feel really comfortable and safe like thank you for providing that that makes me feel good and like maybe that's selfish of me But is it really selfish because we're still doing a good thing and I'm doing it with people that I enjoy? I'm covering topics that, you know, like we want to cover or like we can do an episode like this because I was like, you know what, Kira, I'm having a really shitty time and I want to talk about it because I think that people should know that even the people with the biggest motherfucking smiles on their faces struggle real hard. And we still show up every day and we still show up and we put our passion into everything that we do. And we put our passion and our love and our care and our empathy and our compassion into our friends, our relationships, our family, like this transitional period has been so instrumental. And I think setting my tone of life for like the next like three years minimum, I have no direction right now. I really don't, which is really scary but also really empowering because I think, I think I'm the kind of person, like if I feel stuck in one mode and one space for too long, that's when I get resentful and that's when I get the way that I did with rowing. And I think now that I I have the freedom to go and do whatever I want, because that is a position that I got put in and I'm putting myself in and I'm going to take, control and take things into my own hands and make decisions that I like. And like I'm learning to not be a people pleaser. I love being a people pleaser. Jesus Christ, I feel guilty all the time, but you got to do what's best for you. So my long-winded circling back answer is yes, double-edged sword. Being around rowing still has been really helpful. As Phoebe Bridger says, um the doctor put her hand over my liver. Said my resentment's getting smaller, it do be, it'd be getting a little smaller. Um,
2: that's the gayest thing you've said on this podcast.
1: If anybody hasn't listened to uh the new boy genius EP, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, I think rowing is special, but it's also a very harsh environment.
0: Highs and lows,
1: highs and lows,
0: highs Mm -hmm. and lows,
1: highs and lows.
2: Yeah, I think something we say, like I like to say to our seniors as they're hitting a soon to be transitional point is very much so like rowing can be part of your life in any way you want it to be it doesn't have to end right now and you can find a way to make it part it's not going anywhere that's what i like to say to anybody that feels like they need to step away i'm like great it'll be here if you need it i've seen plenty of people at every level take a moment's break and be like i need a break i need to step away i i cannot be in this okay we're here if you want us when you come back and if you don't want to come back that's okay too we'll miss you but like just letting you know, people know that it's any level, any commitment you want, it's available. You just gotta,
1: unfortunately for the most part, you just gotta know the right people. And if you listen to this, you know us. We may not be in it all, well, Kira's in it all the time. I may not be in it all the time, but I am still unfortunately very connected because I cannot keep my mouth shut.
0: <laughs> yeah, it makes me think of that Women of the Row event that we went to <laughs> forever ago, Kira, and one of the women was just like, oh yeah, I like rode in college and then like went to the Olympics and then I took a 20-year break and then I came back to it. She's like, and I've been rowing ever since. And I was like, a 20-year break? That's twice as long as I've been rowing. And in a really weird way, it was so comforting. I remember like you and I turning to each other and being like, she's got a point. Like (laughs) it really is a sport that you can That people, especially if you talk to, like, masters, rowers, that they come into and go out of, and it depends on what season of their life um, that they're in. And, I don't know, that always always makes me laugh. That's always what I think of. You don't need to make a decision right now. It doesn't need to be like you're in and out every other year. Like, boathouses Mm -hmm. are full of people that took 5, 10, 15, 40 year gaps. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've always loved
2: that like phrase of the season of life. That's what I've been kind of leaning on for sure. Because it makes it just reminds you that everything's very impermanent in both a terrifying and wonderful way. So true,
0: Coach Kira. Um yeah. I have a question for you, Kira, if oh, you don't mind. Yeah. Okay. I feel Uh-oh. like I've heard Kira's voice a lot. Yeah. Been talking,
1: so. We have, we have. Kira. Yeah. Give us give us something.
0: Well, we were talking about our identities right now and like you making a decision to like step away from a lot of aspects of the sport me kind of still dealing with the aftermath of a lot of hand gestures for those listening um (laughs) and kira you know you mentioned this idea like you're injured right now and you've been injured before in rowing and like how and i mean it's just statistically probable that at some point as an athlete at any level, you're going to go through an injury and probably at least one major injury that's going to take you out for like a period of time. So what has been, this is going to be a multi-prong question, please get out your notepad. What has been your experience in how your identity has changed? Do you feel like you've come out of those experiences with an ability to sort of in a sense like triage and stabilize that identity when you are in a position where you literally can't take strokes. And that's probably enough, but I like doing threes. <laughs> so uh <laughs> what what are kind of your ways of coping as a as a athlete that has been injured and or as like a coach kind of helping an athlete who's maybe dealing with that first major injury, whether it's like a, you're going to be out for a month or you may not be able to row again. Like how, how has identity kind of like connected all those threads for you? Oh God,
2: we don't have the three hours to unpack every single one of those questions I think, but I'll do my best. Um, <laughs> I think my identity's changed a lot, you know, throughout life god I hope it has because if you're not changing a little bit you're probably not growing a lot um so I think my identity has been stable in some ways and changed a lot in others but as an athlete I mean I've been an athlete my whole life I spent growing up I Irish danced for 12 years competitively I uh, ran I did I did a lot of sports and uh, honestly when I hit collegiate and Alex when you were talking about just being a rower all the time. And you had this kind of like crisis of self around it. I felt like I was finally my whole self for the first time ever. And, and uh, like just getting to be a rower was so much like everything I'd always wanted. Yeah. Angels, sky parting, angels singing. And uh, I think that actually made the transition out of college like way worse. I do wish I had somebody along the way kind of be like, "Hey, you should develop a little more of your other identities so that when you leave college, this doesn't feel like a complete loss of self." But I also think that the in retrospect now, I mean, I'm what we're like 4 years out of college at this point and I'm like, "I'm still an athlete." It's different, it looks different, but I still train. I think my team actually lately has been like, well, what are you training for? And I'm just like life. I don't know. I just like to train. And I like the ability to say like, okay, I am turning 27 this fall. I want to run 26 miles before I turn 27 and know that I'm going to be able to do that. In a way, the idea of what an athlete is has changed, but my identity of an athlete has not. So knowing that and leading on that has been really comforting, especially as we all get older and, you know, I've, I've fallen down the kind of this rabbit hole of learning about um, a lot of ultra endurance athletes. And a lot of them are in their forties and fifties. And that gets me excited for aging, which I think is not an experience. A lot of athletes have where you're kind of constantly being told you're going to get more injured. You're going to get more frail. You're going to get all these more things. It doesn't need to be that way. And I think thinking, of the definition of athlete as fluid has helped me lean on it and say, I have been an athlete. I am an athlete. I will continue to be an athlete, even in the role of coach. When injury comes in, it really does kind of buckle that entire ecosystem. You know, I, I think I had my first really, really bad experience with like mental health problems and my first really big injury in high school. And the fallout of that has kind of been like a revisit every injury. So like an injury will come up and it will be like, Oh, you're just like, you are that high schooler again, who is stuck in a body that doesn't feel like yours and all these things. So every injury kind of reflames that. And I'm like, all right, it's time to go back to therapy. Here we go. (laughs) And having to re-explain, all right, you know, this is why we're here. And you know, crisis of self, but remembering that, Injury is part of athletics. It's not a destruction of athletics. Every major athlete has likely been injured, has likely faced a very difficult injury. And I I mentioned that idea of like seasons of life earlier. And that's one of the only things I've actually found to be really helpful of saying like, this is my recovery season. My job as, as an athlete, as a coach, as a human right now is to recover. I'm in recovery season. It might be a year. It might be two years. It might be a couple of months. I don't know. And oftentimes you don't for injuries. Um, Any athlete out there who's struggling with an injury, there's actually this really, really great book called Rebound. There's a lot of books called Rebound. So you have to make sure you look at the right one. Um, But it's specifically a workbook for athletes to explore parts of their identity and work through the mental challenges of injury. Because I like when we were in high school, I don't know about you, Lizzie, but like we did not talk about mental health the way that we do now and when i got injured in high school and i was probably at like the lowest of my existence i had been to that point nobody really talked to me about the fact that i was very obviously going through depression and very obviously going through some really hard things until a little bit after the fact and now when i see our athletes get injured i'm like okay are you in therapy? Is that something that you want to lean on? Is that something you've used in the past? Is that something you'd like to revisit? Okay, great. Make sure you make that your part of your recovery process because that's really important. And I think that's a really awesome progress we're seeing across the board in sport. So I think I answered all of your questions in there, but in terms of, you know, identity and injury and recovery and time away from sport Trusting that I am just in a season of that is what I keep saying to myself over and over again and uh, trying to take care of my brain because it will help my body and knowing like I uh, have full intentions to come out of this back injury and go back to rowing differently maybe not as much volume wise maybe I'll try a different approach I will I have been getting dry needling never thought I'd do that that's been awesome I think just leaning into seasons change, I am in a season of life that is recovery based and my identity of athlete is still there and still ready for when I'm ready to hit training again. But
0: I think I answered all your questions. You did. (laughs) Fantastic. Thank you.
1: (laughs) I love thinking about the seasons of life. I think that's a really great way to put it. I'm all like, that's great. Recovery season
2: I realized this the other day like you don't train the exact same way all the time and as we've all been coaches we two of us are currently coaches Alex you hear me talk about coaching all the time it flows it ebbs and flows there are different points in which we need to go harder and this kind of aerobic zone and then this type of aerobic zone and life is just like that there are points when your relationship with sport needs to be all in and like this and sometimes you have the opportunity to say I am shifting into this type of relationship and zone and sometimes you don't have the opportunity and it happens to you and you have to find a way to recover and uh, I think like looking at life like a training plan is weirdly helpful for my coaching brain um (laughs) I don't know if that's super dorky but as mentioned I am fully all in on the rowing stuff so I think that's comforting in a lot of ways. You know, it's nothing is really super permanent. And for the most part, you know, some people have things that are very permanent and change your life in a lot of different ways. But seasons come and go and they will be easier and harder at different times. But it's all about the people you try to become along the way, I guess.
0: Mentally, we are in a week four.
2: Week four was our peak week of volume in college. It was the
0: recovery week. (laughs) We were on a four-week cycle, not a five-week. Recovery week. Oh, we were in a four week cycle in yeah, college. You're we're right. deloading. Oh.
1: <laughs> I think I'm also in recovery week, but yeah, yeah, this is we're in a deload period. We're deloading, yeah. Huh. Any other final thoughts, Lizzie, as you explore your identities in your different seasons? Oh God, I have so many thoughts. <laughs> I have many, 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 many thoughts. But take care of one another trust the people around you, trust yourself, live live a life that you want to live, athletically, socially, wholeheartedly, love unapologetically, unconditionally,
0: and I don't know, keep moving forward, I guess. I've always hated the idea that people are like, identity is not what happens to you, but who you choose to be. Because, like, yes, there are a lot of things that we choose about ourselves, but I think that the most concrete points of our identity are the experiences that we have. It is made up of the things that happen to us, but also it's made up of the choices that we make in response to those things. And... I'm just going to toss it out there. That's not a bad thing. I like to think of it as pre- being pressure tested. Not the most eloquent final words, but identity.
2: Should I throw in a dash of optimism to end it on? Um, I, I'm just going to stick with my common theme of, you know, you are in a season. Everything is impermanent. So see what you can get out of it. See how you can be a better person on the other side. And while you're in it. And make the people around you a little bit better while you're at it. But as always, our DMs are open if we accidentally triggered an existential crisis. We look forward to seeing your paragraphs that you send our way. Um, Alex, we will have you back on an episode to talk all about you. Your favorite topic. Yeah, I'm an absolute egotistical fiend, it's true. It's the only person I would want to be with. So we'll have to have you back. Lizzie, I'm I'm enjoying watching your growth through this phase of your being. I'll hold on to the optimism
0: for you. I'm sensing a future um, gay ergos x weekly dish collab. <laughs> AKA, we'll just come over to your house yeah, and also please. cook your weekly dish um, with I you. Should, yeah, wait, I want to
1: talk about <laughs> that little thing real quick and my growth journey recipe of the week my new series it's where i find a new recipe and i cook it every week but it's like fun and complicated and cool and uh i'm learning a new skill at the same time so i'm hot and i'm gonna be an awesome chef so slay just putting it out there and uh yeah um and i'm single
2: she's putting it out there (laughs) and she can cook
1: and she's learning how to cook but we don't have to talk about that (laughs) anyway yes please come over for recipe of the week meg and i have been having a blast and um i can just double the recipe and we can always have more the what the shit we made last night was oh my god it was so good oh my god so good as always thank you so much for tuning in to the gay ergos podcast um sorry again if we have uh triggered some sort of existential crisis in your young adult lives or older adult lives whoever you are um Feel free to ask us any questions. Uh, I'm a semi-open book. And with that, thank you for tuning in. You can catch us at uh, at Cox's Queer on Instagram.
2: Stay queer, stay speedy.